looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Yes, it is past the post, Sunday, February 13. And speaking of Archer Park, great to have them on board as the presenter of this program during the autumn and the winter. And throughout the show this morning, I'll be telling you about a few horses that you can get into, you can buy into straight away from Archer Park. You can go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. It was a typical late summer's day for Australian racing yesterday. A whole bunch of horses stepping out, beginning their autumn campaigns. Not many shocks, maybe one boom came off somewhat but but overall i think most of the the good horses did as well as they were expected to do so there's a lot to dissect not only out of uh, royal ramwick but also caulfield and we're going to do that this morning the man who's going to do it with me is ben dorries ben good morning yeah good morning david yeah it was a really interesting day wasn't it and uh, there were some real big moments i mean espiona obviously getting turned over uh, in Sydney, but uh, outside of the Group One in Melbourne, one of the biggest moments, to be honest, in in, uh, in Melbourne came on social media. Believe it or not, when Peter Moody absolutely blew up and savaged the Caulfield track. We might talk about that at some point during the show. But uh, yeah, really interesting day. And of course, on home soil, Michelle Payne up here um, trained her first winner in Queensland. So that was a, an interesting little moment at Dooman. Yes, yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll look at the Dooman meeting a little later in the program. But first up, we'll go to Caulfield first. Of course, the first Group 1 of the year, the Oars Stakes, was the eighth race of the day. This was a very good betting race, but in the end, the South Australian behemoth was the best back runner. He firmed from 5.50 to run 4.20 in favourite. Is Matt Hill's description. So they come towards the 500 metres where Tafane just tries to string them out a little bit more from Behemoth. Then Sierra Sue now three deep. Further back in the field, Lighthouse. Then came Cascadian niggled at from Just Folk. Cinnawan was six to make up. Then Wild Planet I'm Thunderstruck, an inspirational girl. Tafane kicks away. 200 metres to go. Tafane, two lengths, Lighthouse. Sierra Sue, then Cascadian. Tafane with 100 metres to go. Lighthouse giving chase, but Tafane has controlled it and will win the oar. Tafane, a big winner. Second lighthouse from Cascadian, Sierra Sue, then I'm Thunderstruck. Next inspirational girl, Just Folk. Further back was Wild Planet, Cinnawan Behemoth, Lightsaber and Last Secret Blaze. She holds a special spot with Queenslanders because she was one of the darlings of our carnival during the last winter. Of course, she won the, the Stradbroke, the Tats Tiara double. That was her fourth Group 1 win in the oar yesterday and Rupert Lee is one of Australia's most prominent owners. He shares in the ownership of Tefane, and he's our first guest this morning. I'm past the post, Rupert. Good morning and congratulations. Yeah, no, good. Thank you very much for that. It was a um, exciting day. One, as I said, you go to the races hoping, but, um, you know, it was a great result for all and just great reward for um, what I call just a commitment and great training performance by Mike Moroni and the team. And as an owner, too, to watch uh, such a top-flight mare doing it from start to finish, and she was beautifully routed by Mark Zara, but that is also very special because you know you've got one of the best mares in the country. Yeah, well, well, she is, and I think what makes her one of the great mares in the country is that she's very adaptable. I mean, we knew yesterday there wasn't going to be a lot of speed on, and unfortunately, the three-year-old missed the start because I think it's well documented now that we're going to just sit on the outside of it, but... Um, yeah, you've really got to give credit to, you know, like Mark Zara, and that's why he probably is one of Australia's better jockeys, that he took the initiative, he knew there was no speed, and he took bad luck out of the equation, and um, 
a great rated um, ride. And you know, all credit to Mark and, as I said, to Mike and the team. It's just one of those great team efforts. If I'd have uh, said to you, Rupert, sort of 18 months, two years ago, that Stefano would have won four Group Ones, would you have would you have believed me? No, I, look, we knew she was good, but definitely I would not have said she would win four Group Ones. But as history has said it, you know, and you've seen it, as she's got older and she's just got that more mature, stronger, mentally, um, you know, race-wise. I mean, you just watch her even now. This prep. She's really the complete horse. She's more relaxed, um, where beforehand she was a little bit hypo, but she's only had 27 race starts, and I think she's really just coming into her own right now. And That was um, fed back to me from um, Flemington by not just uh, Mike and the team, but also from other um, trainers who were very complimentary on the way she'd come back after the um, spell. They, they thought she hadn't looked better, and um, her you know, track performances um, vindicated what she did yesterday. So... Um, yeah, I mean, two years ago, would you? No, but as the you know the years have gone on, you've probably got that bit more confidence to know she is capable of winning one or two Group Ones. It's amazing too. You don't often see horses' racing patterns change, particularly at the top level. You know, you only go back probably what less than twelve months ago. You'd sort of, if you were backing her, you'd half be hoping for a bit of luck, no traffic problems. But as you just outlined then, being more mature, and she seems like she's more confident. Like, she sprang out of the gates yesterday and up there controlling it. Uh, like, you know, she's the boss and you've got to chase me down. Yeah, and no, I think what you said then, I think um, horses do get confidence and as they get more race experience, they're no different to human beings. And I think confidence is a key factor in any athlete in, that, um, in any sport that once you know you've, you're good enough, um, it, it sure has a big impact on your mental status you know when you're when you're racing and you can as i said liken that to anyone in any sport but she seems to come out now knowing that she's capable of beating the best and um but more importantly what i love about um tofane she's a complete racehorse where she just wants to win and that's what you want in any um, racehorse where you can have horses with all the ability in their world but her, her endeavor and um, the commitment to hit the hit the line is unquestionable and I've said it a lot to um, all my other part owners that the the race that really you know gives me gooses is the um, all eight stakes mm. in Sydney a couple of years ago where she and Pierrata went head to head at the from the 400 metre mark and um, he actually dropped her at about the 200 I think he pulled a length off her but her tenacity and will to win and I think it's what makes her the great horse she is today she fought back and won that race by a short half head over a horse that you know doesn't like to concede losing either and as he's a swan song and he's obviously well prepared for the race but to her credit she uh, showed that tenacity that makes her the champion mayor she now is how just how close Rupert, was she to going to the broodmare sales last year because i was certainly going into her queensland campaign i remember talking to to mike up here and, and that was going to be the plan and, and obviously after she peeled off a couple of group ones up here it, it sort of I guess must have been you know uh, tempting in some ways was, was it a tough decision was the ownership group entirely united to race her on or where did that sort of sit no no where it all started from um about this time last year and I, I said it earlier this morning that through Mike's what I call hands-on training and I'm not saying every other trainer would have got it right but he detected there was something wrong with her he um her, the urine, urine smelt a little bit off and um, 
they immediately had her at the vet. She had a bad kidney infection, and we had her in the uh, Ballarat, I think it was the Ballarat Clinic, for nearly two weeks. Um, and she was in serious trouble. And I, I don't think if Mike got her there that quickly, we would have it today. So um, at that particular time, we didn't know whether or not she'd come back and race again or even race at the level or even want to be wanting to race. So we had to have a fallback in the event that she um, didn't want to race or wasn't up to racing at the level we thought she could. So we had to nominate for that particular start because if we didn't nominate, you couldn't get into it. So it wasn't like we're just going to sell her, she's done enough, we don't think she can win anymore. It's more of a, a fallback in the event that um, she didn't recover from that um, bad kidney infection. So uh, once she uh, told us she wanted to be a racehorse, which was um, demonstrated by her first start in Sydney and then she went off to Queensland. It was a no-brainer not to sell her. Um, and as I said, the rest is history. She's put together three Group 1s and was very really unlucky in the Turek handicap. If you watch that overhead, which um, one of my good part owners and very good friend Peter Wright looked at again yesterday, and you know, with a little bit of luck, she would have won that race as well, and that's taking nothing away from um, the winner. But uh, she wasn't unlucky on that occasion. So, um, yeah, no, plenty to look forward to. And the problem coming up now is... It probably makes sense to sell her um, in May or June at that sale, or any sale for that matter, but what if she came out and won another two group ones? Do you push on into the um, spring, or do you say, you know, she's done enough and you put her onto the market? So it's a great problem to have, but I think it's more likely we'll go to the market. Just in the short term, Ruben, and just on that record too, she's been well-managed, 27 starts. She's won eight races. Four of those eight have been group one. We, we go more than likely to the futurity in a fortnight's time. Mike Moroni was, was interviewed yesterday. He sort of left things a little bit up in the air after that. Uh, he did mention Sydney. So is is there anything else in Melbourne after the futurity? Would you go to the All-Star Mile? Because I think the... I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think if you win the futurity, it's an automatic um, spot into the um, mm. All-Star Mile. I was letting you say that because Mike didn't mention it yesterday, but I thought it seemed the logical sort of progression. So, uh, and under the the weight conditions, uh, by gee, she'd be mighty hard to beat. Well, she gets a mile, and there's no doubt she will get a mile. Um, And once again, as owners, you know, we're just so lucky to be considering options. Do we go to the All-Star Mile? Do we go to Sydney and chase the Coolmore? Then you'll lay stakes, so... As an owner, you've got to pinch yourself to think how fortunate you are to have these options available to you. So, um, but I know it's an old cliche. You just, you know, take one race at, race at a time, and hopefully she competes well in the futurity, which on that form you would think she would. And um, we'll worry about the, uh, the the problem, which is, as I said before, is a great problem to have. And you've, uh, uh, yeah, you've got a million good horses. I'd like to just have one, to be honest, but you've got them everywhere. One that's a real headline horse, obviously, Marsh Crusader. Um, can you give uh, the listeners a bit of an update there? I think that the path is the lightning and, and potentially the new market, but just how, how he's going and what the reports are from the stable? Well, it's always a stable opinion, and particularly John's, that this would be the autumn and going forward that he would fully blossom into the horse we always hoped he would. Um, and once again, the reports coming from the stable and once again other trainers, they say he's never, ever looked this good. And you're thinking a 1,000 metres. This time last year, you would not have even attempted to, to run him over a 1,000, thinking it was too short because we think he's more of a 1,200 to 1,400-metre horse. But you never, ever question John Hawks. If he thinks the horse is capable of winning a 
a thousand metre sprint down the straight, then you, you've got to back his judgment because the same question was asked when Chautauqua ran on the lightning and um, everyone said, well, Chautauqua can't win over a thousand. Well, if the conditions suit on the day where you get that sort of tempo and there's good speed in the race, then there's a chance that, you know, he, he might get over the top of them. But I can assure you one thing, he would not be putting the horse in the lightning unless he thought he would be super competitive and um, every chance of winning it. So, um, yeah, I think he's come out really well. So anyone who's a Master Crusader fan, I think you could go there, not with a full degree of confidence, but know that um, he'll give you a good run for your money. Rupert, thanks for your time this morning and your comments. Always appreciated and uh, a great delight to see that May winner fourth group one. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you. Rupert Lee joining us, uh, of course, sharing in the ownership of Tefane. I mentioned Mark Zara and that, that ride, Ben, he, the, the sectionals that he ran, he went quick enough to keep them honest, but he went slow enough to, for her to have enough energy. They were just, it was just beautifully rated. It was a dead set 10 out of 10, but he didn't wait around long. He was off to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's had some sort of 24 hours, hasn't he? He couldn't even hang around to, to do a, uh, a post-race interview. He's on a flight to America to watch the Super Bowl. I think he's just taking advantage. I think he's got a suspension. And obviously, um, I think he actually went on holidays to America only recently with his family. But uh, but obviously a big American sports fan. And, uh, yeah, he's heading over there. So uh, good on him. I must admit, I didn't think Tafane would win four group ones. I've definitely underrated her. And, um, you know, it's a, I suppose it's terrific as well for the Queensland Winter Carnival that, um, you know, yet another horse comes out and, and franks that form. She won, obviously, peeled off two uh, up here. So that's terrific. And I, um, I actually loved having Rupert Lee on there. Gee whiz, he's as honest as the day is long. And I reckon... Um, his comments about Mark Crusade are really, really interesting because you would think a lightning stakes would be, you know, perhaps too speedy, too nippy, but, uh, you know, all suggestions are that, you know, he's come back better than ever. So if you're a Mark Crusader fan, you'd probably be an even bigger fan now, I reckon, after listening to that. It's going to be the strongest talking point during the week, of course, the lightning this Saturday. He's $11, Mask Crusader. Of course, Nature Strip, the $2.50 favourite. That, that race we'll be discussing a lot during the week. From those behind Tefane, I know that you're a bit of a rap for Cinewan. He's finished a bit worse than midfield. He was caught wide, but I expected a little better from him. Yeah, I expected a lot better. Um, having said that, I don't. Uh, I think Craig Williams had probably put up his hand and say it uh, wasn't one of his best rides. Uh, the horses, you know, three wide and, and over racing. Interesting, of course. Uh, Craig Williams obviously has had you know huge success yeah. with Tefano, so he must have got off then and started scratching his head a bit. But yeah, Cinewan was a bit of a horror watch. Uh, unfortunately, um, Sierra Sue was was uh, was good and honest again, running fourth, loomed up as a winner there at one point, but Tefane uh, was just too strong. I'm thunderstruck. Uh, ran fifth, never looked a winning chance, and that probably mirrored uh, what Mick Price was saying pre-race that you know this um, you know, first up and and what have you might just find this a bit too tricky first up, but I'd still be following on on thunderstruck. It's some sort of horse, I reckon. So. Uh, yeah, interesting race, but all credit to Tefano. Yeah, mixed comments on I'm Thunderstruck pre the Oar Stakes. I think they, they've been vindicated. His expectations weren't high, and I think he actually said to Andrew Brown on, on Racing Active, expect him to run on and into a nice fourth or fifth. He's exactly finished there in fifth. The sectional star in the race was Inspirational Girl. First up for Danny O'Brien, a long way back, delivered all the best figures. Her run in finishing six was very good, finishing alongside I'm Thunderstruck. That was the or 
Lighthouse, of course, very game in running second. Let's go to the Rubiton, and this is the, the race, I, I presume, post-race that Peter Moody let loose. He had Oxley Road, the leader in the race, but the best back runner was Marine One. It firmed from 370 down to 310. Oxley Road controlling this at the moment. 600 to go. Three quarters sort of mercy. Two lengths. Marine one. One off the fence in air at the moment. Then ingratiating Mr. Mozart. Extreme flight Artorias. Oxley Road is just quickening it up now around the corner. At the 300 metres. Nolan hasn't moved. Let a length sort of mercy. Marine one. Then ingratiating. Needing to get out. And further back. Mr. Mozart. Artorias a long way back. Oxley Road from sort of mercy. Marine one the outside. Oxley Road at the 100. Sort of mercy is hanging tough and Marine One comes at them both and will win. Marine One scored a length Oxley Road sort of mercy. Late extreme flight was an eye catcher for fourth. Artorias ingratiating next and last of the seven in the Rubiton was Mr Mozart. Marine One is another classic example of a horse that's been in work without having a decent spell but just keeps on producing and that was Group 2 uh, glory for him yesterday, for Kieran Maher and David Eustace. We keep saying it, and we will keep saying it, that it's becoming a juggernaut. This this team of horses is unbelievable. Here's another one. Jamie Carr gave him a perfect run. If you were on him, you were always happy in the run that the capitalist cult capitalising on a good speed and then proving too strong. Now, Moody's runner, Oxley Road, ran second, but he he's not happy. He wasn't happy. No, he's not. He wasn't happy at all. Um, and I actually want to have a chat about this. I'll read you his tweet uh, just for those listeners who haven't seen it. So this is what Peter Moody said on Twitter. He said, great to see benchmark 70 horses winning group races at Caulfield today. Good job watering the track on race day. The best on-speed, on-fence track in the land rooted from overwatering to help expensive imports. Now, what he's referring to there uh, is his uh, runner Oxley Road um, being run down in, in the Rubiton by Marine One, who was beaten at benchmark 70 grade uh, last start and has come out and won a group two. So Peter Moody clearly wasn't uh, happy with the watering of the track on race day. Uh, didn't like it one bit. But look, I've got to say, I don't really take his point. He's talking about, you know, watering to help expensive imports. Well, ha hang on for a sec. I mean, he, he's got Spanish Mission, uh, you know, very expensive import that's, that's ended up in his care. I, I mean, it appeared to have every chance and, you know, it couldn't sort of lift over the line. And then uh, in the following race, Stefano, who, you know, we've just talked about, has, has you know, led and won. So, look, I mean, he's entitled to his opinion, Peter Moody. Um, he knows a lot more about tracks than, than what I do and what most people do. But, look, I just just from, you know, surveying, you know, I suppose a few people yesterday um, after Peter Moody put that tweet out, talking to a few trainers in Brisbane and talking to a few participants uh, from in the state, they were they were scratching their head a little bit. Now I would say this: uh, he's entitled to his say, and I love it to be frank. When uh, trainers, jockeys, you know, call a spade a spade and a shovel a shovel, but uh, just not quite sure, David. He hit the mark with this one. What do you think? Just a well, a clinical observation. Firstly, um, and you've you've got to look from the form point of view. Mark Hunt is one of the best judges around, and he commented on Oxley Road yesterday. He said he'll lead for sure. He said. But then he said the 59 will start to kick in at the end of 1,100 metres. Oxley Road is yet to win at 1,100, and he had to carry 59. The other thing, too, I, I saw some vision of, of Moody. I don't, I don't think he was too happy with Nolan staying hard near the rail, and I, and I, I think that generally it, the, the, the rail, the hard rail, became a, a no-go zone. Um, so, I, look, I think the, the criticism 
is a little over the top, but that's Peter Moody. He's entitled to his opinion. And I think there is some merit in the broader discussion about watering on race day. We know in this day and age that tracks are regularly irrigated. But when it comes to race day, this is where there seems to be a divide in opinion that uh, some jurisdictions are happy to do it and some aren't. So it's it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm not one for it. I don't think... I think by race day or race morning, the track is there. It is what it is. Uh, so, you know, sort of manufacturing a track on race day doesn't sit that well with me. And it doesn't with a lot of other putters either, professional putters. So it's a, it's an interesting talking point. But, yeah, Mood's probably maybe a little over the top there. But um, Marine won winning well. I want to go to the, the two Blue Diamond preludes because, of course, the big dance is in two weeks' time, Blue Diamond Stakes Day. Let's go to the Colson Gildings prelude firstly. Jack and O, the favourite, at $2.80, but he came out of the barriers like Humphrey the Camel. Do we have a replay? It's Philosopher, two lengths a million, Dormier the inside, then crowning moment. Further back, now Jackano's going to stick to the inside, it's making up some ground. Count the headlights with work to do, and Lofty Strike down the middle's coming home hard. Dormier up on the inside with Samillion, and Lofty Strike the outside at the 100. Samillion grabbed by Lofty Strike. Lofty Strike for Jamie Mott, took the front. Lofty Strike won it from Samillion, third a photo. Dormier will get it from Count the Headlights, and Jackano, who was wedging through, didn't have have a lot of luck in the straight. A gap to River Ribble, then came Philosopher Lasker's and last crowning moments. Lofty Strike can do no more than he's done. He he won on debut at Flemington down the straight. And yesterday there at the 1100 metres, he, he got back, but he had three wide cover. He had to pull out deep at the bend and he hit the line with plenty of purpose, Ben. Yeah, he did and uh, delivered uh, Julius Sander, who's a good man, his uh, first stakes victory and uh, really blasted to victory um, I guess and you know taking absolutely nothing away from him but I, I don't uh, I can't get my head around the blue diamond to be honest I, I'm looking at the betting market now David and there's dead set about four billion horses <laughs> between six dollars and twenty twenty dollars in the market and I think that sums up the year I mean normally I suppose at this time of you know only a few weeks out normally you may not have a dominant favorite but you'd have a couple of real standouts or, or, or you know a a real sprue course. I don't think we've got it. In fact, I'm sure we don't have it in the Blue Diamond. Uh, this year, there's been a new favourite, a, a new one. You know, there's been a favourite one week, uh, you know, and then it's 20 to 1 the next week. Something's 100 to 1, comes into 20 to 1. It's just that sort of year. So I think um, all credit to Lofty Strike, and we'll definitely be a player in the big dance. But um, a lot, I think, uh, with the Blue Diamond this year will come down to barrier draws, track mm. conditions, luck in running. Uh, so, yeah, one of the most uh, wide-open blue diamonds uh, at the moment, certainly, I've probably ever seen, Dave. He's into $8 now, Lofty Strike, on the third line. Jackano's uh, intriguing, isn't he? Because when uh, he won on debut, that was actually 1,200, the blue diamond distance, but he came from the back of the bus that day. He was so motherless last. He fell out of the gates yesterday and... Then Damien Lane elected to try and save Grant on the inside. It was a hard luck story. He just ran out of room. There was no room there. Um, you know, questionable if he got out, would he have won? I think he would have been very competitive. But it doesn't seem to matter whether it's nine runners or 12 or 16 runners. He's probably going to be out, out near the back. So it's going to be very difficult. But he's still the, the diamond favourite at $6. 
Yeah, and the horse, that I must tell Mick Price uh, next time I'm uh, talking to him that you've nicknamed him Humphrey the Camel. That's one of your, that's one of your very, very... The horse, not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but look, uh, clearly a very uh, talented colt, uh, this one out of Rubik, and I suppose that's why uh, he you know, retains favouritism. There is that you know, tantalising aspect of he's got a lot more to give. But as you say, I mean... You know, real get back run on type. Mr. Start yesterday. You know, could you back him? I mean, it's every chance he won't start favourite, but could you back him as near favourite in a blue diamond around Caulfield uh, when he could be near last? I, I, I couldn't. I'll be looking for some value. I'm not quite sure what that value um, is, Dave. I don't know if there's anything in the market that you particularly like. It's probably a race that we'll have to have to assess, I suppose, closer to the date and, and maybe even, you know, right up until the last minute once we've seen the barrier draws and, and jockey bookings and, and all the rest of it. They ran 13.98 in the male division, the Colts and Geldings. Let's go to the Phillies. They've run 13870, so minimal difference in times. Peter and Paul Snowden, have they got enough good two-year-olds? They decide to pull up stumps with revolutionary miss from Sydney, aim for the Blue Diamond. This was the stepping stone yesterday. Here's how she went. English Riviera was at the 600 metres, steadied by a half-length Miss Rosiano, El McPherson third the inside. They were followed by Satin Love easing out three deep. Letizia as a result, four deep from Kiki Express. They were followed next by Varvia, Revolutionary Miss Moco, Bon Hur, Wellback Seven Sisters, No Diggity, Seer You, and also Sumatra English Riviera given her head at the 200 metres. Miss Rosiano's trying to dig in, then Letizia down the outside and Revolutionary misses running on Miss Rosiano at the 50 revolutionary misses got her revolutionary misses one from Miss Rosiano English Riviera for four seven sisters prominent from Bon Hur and then Moco and also in between them Varvia behind them Kiki Express Letizia pulls up quickly no diggity and then came Satin Love CU and at the end of the field was El McPherson I'm sure Peter and Paul Stanton always get an extra kick when a Russian revolution juvenile Salutes, of course, they trained it. He's now a stallion. He's the sire revolutionary miss. She ran second in the Widden two weeks ago and produced that good finish to win yesterday. She's now $11 in the Blue Diamond bin. Yeah, I thought in Sydney she'd been solid, but certainly not spectacular. But but that did have a bit of something about it, uh, that win yesterday, I didn't. I mean, hook, hooking widest in the straight and letting down really, really strongly. And clearly um, she's going to be even better, I think, over a little bit... Uh, more ground. So, look, she's probably definitely one um, I could entertain. I think she's $11. I'd probably like her more than, uh, just from what I saw yesterday, if she can reproduce that and, and find another length or so, or so, I think she'll she'll definitely be, um, you know, potentially right in the, in the finish of the Blue Diamond, given even luck. And, of course, uh, the horse that I'm really keen on, the two-year-old I really like from their stable, Russian Conquest, the, um, you know, the runner-up in the Magic Millions is really high up, uh, second favourite behind Cool and Gatter in uh, Golden Slipper betting. So, wowee, they could have some sort of fun with their two-year-olds in the, in the you know, coming weeks and months. Just before we move off uh, Caulfield, there were a lot of good performances yesterday. There's two particularly that we're not going to listen to, but I want to mention. Uh, Mark Hunter, he was all over this yesterday morning on, on Select Racing Argentia. Said she was clearly the best horse in the race, had no doubt about it. She went out the last, stay motherless last, swept around them and won. It was a, a brilliant first-up win in the Kevin Hayes. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, just the, even just the breeding of this uh, of this girl gets you excited, doesn't it? Out of uh, out of obviously Frankel, 
Um, so when you when you hear Frankel, you, you sort of just you know take a second listen and uh, you know wow well, yeah she was just tremendous wasn't she she sprouted wings and and I sort of thought you know at the hundred the two hundred she's just going to run on nicely and you know yeah. run a run a nice second or third and be a really nice eye catcher for next time but uh, yeah Anthony and Sam Freeman certainly going to have a lot of fun with her and great tip from Mark Hunter certainly was now she's uh, fifteen dollars down to eight for the surround that's the Group One. In two weeks' time, will she go to Sydney to race against Fangirl and Espiona? We'll, we'll follow that during the week. And uh, Probabil in the last race. Wonderful mare. Everyone considered her probably one of the good things of the day. She went at $1.75. It was a dead set last drive when it was one of those classic last races with everyone on the favourite getting up in the nick of time. Brilliant win, uh, brilliant sectionals. Yeah, she's just um, so consistent too, isn't she? And gee, gee, the team plays her so well, don't they? And, and obviously that's probably why the reason she went out at those at those skinny odds. But yeah, nice, nice little fill up for punters late in the day. Could have been so different, but I'm tipping she put a few uh, few extra morsels on some seafood dinners for some punters last night. So nice way to finish the day. She's a wonderful mare. 13 wins now from 29 starts. Now we're going to have a look at Royal Ramick in just a moment, but can I help you? <laughs> I need all the help I can, can get. I, I want to help anything you. you've, especially if it's monetary. If you can, well, if there's anything that involves finances, money, I'm all for it. It involves money on two fronts. You're going to have to produce some, but if you oh, produce well, some, I, don't, I, don't I think like look at this. I think you'll get some back. Now, I was talking about Archer Park Racing. Now, I'm going to get in a bit of trouble here, but I don't care because it needs to be told. They've got a horse by Shalar called Road Trip. Stuart Kendrick trains it. Now, I can tell you it jumped out like a bomb at the Sunshine Coast recently. Not, a, not an official trial, but a jump out. Smashed them in the jump out. It's got a trial in a couple of weeks' time. There's two shares left in Road Trip. Why don't you buy one of them and make yourself some big money? This will be a good horse. <laughs> oh, it's, fun. it's funny. As you, were, uh, as you were telling me that, I looked up Road Trip on Racing Australia, and the uh, the Road Trip they've listed there is a, is a uh, 19-year-old uh, retired uh, gelding. So, uh, Ignore that. I'm that's assuming, not the road trip. That's, not it, that's an old road trip. That's a road trip gone by. <laughs> yeah, He's had a very long road trip, that horse. By Shalari out of Stella Street. But um, in the Fair Dinkum Department, uh, listeners, go to the website, archerparkracing.com.au. You'll see more about road trip there. Give Chris Wessel a call. His number's there. But there are two shares remaining. I'm trying to put one aside for you, but I'm not getting a great reaction from you. Mate, I keep telling you. I mean, I'm just a battling journey doing his best on a minimum wage. You're a high-flying, you know, highfalutin race caller. I mean, I, you, yeah. surely you should be buying into these horses. I don't know why you're trying to tip me into them. Well, if you buy one, I'll buy one. Then the two have taken. <laughs> job, job accomplished for Archer Park. In Let... all seriousness, I found, I've now found the right road, road trip yeah. on Racing Australia. It's one word, not two. So there we go. A two-year-old brown cold out of Shalar. Already got quite a few, quite a few owners. Um, so yeah, get in, get involved there. Terrific Archer Park Road. There are two more names that can be put in there. <laughs> Obviously, it's not going to be you, <laughs> folks. You're have a look. At it. Let, you're not going to let this go, are you? No, I'm not. And I've got I've got more to sell you later in the program. Let's go to Royal Randwick and let's go to the Apollo Group Two. Plenty resuming here. Here's the re replay with Darren.
At the 600 metres, it's I Am Superman and Riadini moving up on the outside, so the pace is very strong. Coming around the turn, their falling's clear from Think It Over and Maximola. Further back to Special Award, Colette, very elegant stays now to the inside. She'll be 10 off the lead. I Am Superman and Riadini. I Am Superman still under a hole. Berry said go now. Think It Over being wound up and giving chase to I Am Superman and here he comes again. Think It Over went straight on by from I Am Superman. Special Award and Colette Lad on the scene but Think It Over. Another big race victory wins the Apollo Stakes in brilliant style. Beat Colette and Special Award. Then Hungry Heart very elegant late. Further back to Ice Bath Sikandra but I Am Superman went too quick with Riadini. Then She's Ideal from Colding and Maximal was one of the last to finish. Think it over, give it a perfect run on a strong speed. Uh, if you're on him, it was a good watch, and uh, he then burst away to win the Apollo. Kerry Parker is his trainer, and he's joining us on Past the Post. Kerry, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning, gentlemen. Congratulations again. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was quite an easy watch, wasn't it? Uh, you know, he, he, he just keeps stepping out and doing what he does. I heard Darren Flindell post-race call him the Prince of Campbell. I think he deserves the title of the King of Kembla. Yeah, I think there was a there was a few of them on Twitter last night. I think, but I but I just want to just reflect on something before we you know talk about yesterday and then what's going to happen in the future. You go back to October two thousand and twenty. Now, in the whole scheme of things, from a, a you know racing point of view, racing career point of view, that's not long. That's sixteen months since that day when he won the Craven Plate in October two thousand and twenty. He's won the Group One George Ryder. The Group 2 Chelmsford, the Group 2 Hill Stakes, the Group 2 Apollo yesterday. He's won the Craven twice, the Liverpool City Cup, and he's won the Rose Hill Cup. Did you ever think that on October 2020 that that would happen? No, you'd be silly to think so. You know, uh, I, don't, I, I never let myself get too far in front, but uh, this bloke just keeps producing. I'll tell you what, he's got a real sort of, uh, you know, very different horses, obviously, but in terms of his, his uh, you know, growing popularity, he's got a real sort of happy clapper vibe about him, doesn't he? Like, people just are really, they might not have known much about him to start with, but they're just really warming to the whole whole story of this horse, Kerry. Are you feeling that yourself? Oh, no doubt at all. He, he has a huge following, you know. Uh, uh, I sort of felt it, you know, when, 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 go back to when he ran third in the, in the gong here at home, you know, um, uh, he was just starting to, I did have a fair bit of publicity for him going into that being a local hope, you know, and, uh, a few people got on board and then of course he, he, he finished third here and, uh, he was 40 to one or something that day. And some guys got a few dollars out of him having something each way. And then of course his next prep, uh, he just kept stepping up at ridiculous prices. And, uh, you know, that started the fan club and most of them were probably just locals down here from Wollongong and, the south um and then from there he's just grown and grown you know he's he has a huge fan support that's for sure on that career march that i was mentioning before uh, and you just mentioned then that he was offered at long odds he flew under the radar probably a little unfairly too but towards the end of his his last campaign in the spring he was a dollar 75 a dollar 75 two dollar 70 favorite so he was then stepping out as as the king of Kimball or as the, the the horse to beat does it put a bit more pressure on you when they're starting so short uh, not necessarily. I try not to think of it. I just prepare them, you know, um, what you do. But I suppose there is sort of, you know, uh, uh, more expectation, you know. But uh, all you can do is do your job, you know. You're just trying to prepare them for each start. And, uh, 
um, you know, that, that, that's, you hope for that good luck in running, I suppose, really. Did you ever, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying, Kerry, he, he hasn't run in Melbourne. Did you ever at any stage entertain the sort of, like that rich race, that all-star mile in, in Melbourne for him? Or which, did you just always want to keep him to, to, to group and, and, and the big races in Sydney, this sort of? Well, I, I did give a consideration this year. Last year it was at Caulfield, of course, and I, I think it was at Caulfield. And um, to slip down there and um, uh, to do it last year, it'd probably just come up a little quick in his prep. And then this year being at Flemington, of course, uh, uh, I did consider it. And uh, um, that our, uh, like you know, like everybody, our main aim is to sort of Queen Elizabeth. And, uh, you know, he races so well at, here at Randwick. I, I think he's won seven at Randwick now. You know, uh, it was a good option to, okay, let's get through this. And then uh, uh, probably more so next autumn, I suppose, uh, we, we could be anywhere, you know. Isn't it uh, also great, like, for all this to work, every every part of the jigsaw has got to be right. And the fact that Rawil is such a high-caliber jockey, but he knows him so well, he rides him so well, that, that must be a, you know, take a lot off your mind on occasion. You know, when your job's done, you know, you've got the right man to do the job. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think that's you know um, Nash has got a lot of confidence in the horse, and well, obviously the horse has a lot of confidence in Nash. You know, he, he sort of waits till he pushes the button and asks him for his supreme effort, and uh, I think that's that's sort of the difference there. He's um, you know he, he's he, he's learnt to be a racehorse, and you, you've got to go back to sort of Glenn Boss helping him become a racehorse. When Glenn was riding him, he was very raw. He took a while for this to, the penny to drop to be a racehorse, you know, but now he sits and listens and waits for Nash and he, he just does what Nash wants him to do and, uh, you know, they, they definitely click together, that's for sure. Kerry, uh, final one from me. The, it was an interestingly sort of run race, wasn't it? The, the field basically broke up into t- to two divisions with, um, you know, with the speeds sort of up front and, and you up front and, and then... You know, there was, you know, the very elegance and whatever sort of well behind. In your pre-race planning, is that exactly how you, you sort of thought it would pan out and, and did you find yourself where you thought you'd be? Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't know about uh, uh, I Am Superman, you know, going that far forward. Um, but I, um, I was concerned that uh, Riadini would skip away at, you know, probably around the five or 600 as he does. He's got a brilliant little turn of foot and he puts three or four on you really quick, you know, and... Uh, I was, uh, that was my main concern that I'd sort of said to Nash going into it. I said, I think we're going to be the ones that bring the field up to chase this leader, you know. Um, uh, and I was was concerned that something could get on the back of him and just have the last shot at us, you know. I, I knew we'd have to sustain a long run to, to sort of run down Riadini as we, we have clashed and, and done that a few times. It's not an easy horse to run down. Um, that was my probably my main concern going into the run. Uh, it looked like the speed map looked like pretty good. We'd have to just come across with Riadini. Um, but, yeah, I didn't expect that much tempo, but I, I thought we'd be the one that'd have to bring the pack up, but uh, fortunately no, the pack never came with us. We were the only real chaser. Exactly right. Well, great return yesterday. When do we see him next? Uh, he'll go around the Chip and Norton in a fortnight over the mile back at Randwick again, so uh, that's his aim next start. Good to talk to you, mate. Uh, he's, um, he's He is, as Ben said, he's got a bit of a happy clap about it, but he's thinking over in his own right. The King of Kimberley, thanks for your time. No, thank you very much, gentlemen. Good day. Think it over there, winning for Kerry Parker. Nash Rewilla riding him well. Um, Colette, good in second. Special reward, honest in third. Very elegant. Officially seventh beaten, four and a half lengths. What did you make of the run? Um, 
Yeah, okay, without being tremendous. I mean, it was clearly, I suppose, a pass mark given the way the race was run. But, um, you know, obviously the jockey said we'll be a hell of a lot better next start and, you know, we know how good she is. So you just have to take that at face value. Exactly right. Let's go to another feature yesterday. This was the Southern Cross and we saw Lost and Running returning from a break. He was confidently back. That's no surprise, but he ran $2.20. Here's the replay. It's Embracer, a length in front, turning for home from Overpass and Ashman. Lost and running, being kitted to on the outside, closing in. Then came Standout and Chat down to the 250. And Lost and running, given the cue by Bowman, takes the lead now from Overpass. Standout running on. Lost and running, a length and a half clear to Standout. Overpass fighting out the miners, but Lost and running extends away. Big win in the Southern Cross. Second goes to Overpass, who kicked on strongly just in front of Standout. Superium closing off to third. Laws of Indices warming up well at the end. Then chat from Rock Ashman. A gap back to King of Sparta. And the last two in, in and up and Embracer. I mentioned before, think it over. If you're on think it over in the Apollo, it was a pretty good watch because good tempo. He just sat on the speed and did the rest. Well, ditto for Lost and Running. If you're on him, uh, this was painless because it was just a sitting fourth, one out, one back and then Struck at the right time and class told. John O'Shea's his trainer. John, good morning. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, and uh, I'm sure you'd agree that he was the best horse in the race and uh, in the run, it was good to watch. Yeah, it's pretty painless. Um, probably the only concern is that he did have to concede so much weight to his opposition, and particularly when uh, Nash on the Joe Ryan runner was sort of on his back and seemed to be on the bridle travelling well. Wanted to make sure that he didn't swoop on us late, but our bloke was too good and too strong, and uh, he ran over a really quick last section, which made it impossible to run out of the top of him. Yeah, Hugh, uh, Hugh Bowman summed him up post-race um, pretty concisely as a genuine Group 1 horse, and uh, that must have been music to your ears, and, and obviously you would have known that uh, anyway, John, and, and I guess there's some big Group 1 goals just around the corner now. Yeah, well, we wanted to make sure he's nice and forward because he's going to run the Group 1 three weeks' time, so... Yeah, we set him a, a lot further forward this time than what we did at the start of the spring. And he's, you know, probably only had four runs this time, so we want to make sure they all count. John, it wasn't a long break uh, between the the spring and, and, and yesterday. He won the Hunter, I think it was in mid-November. But just even in that short time, just from a, a physical point of view or a mental point of view, has he, has he taken a few steps forward in your mind? You, you know him best. Yeah, no, he has. Um, I think when you turn horses out on a high, it's really good for him. By the time as trainers we can compel to go one run too many and I think if you turn them out on a high they tend to come back in a really good frame of mind and he went out on a nice high and just a short break um, did well quickly so yeah, it was, he's just sort of yeah, he's getting up to sort of 12-15 runs now so he's also starting to become a well seasoned conveyance and he's racing like that thing. You've obviously trained a million good sprinters in your, in your time. Does he remind you of uh, of anyone you've, uh, you know, in particular you've trained some of those good sprinters over the years at all? Is he reminiscent of, of, of any other horse you've had? I think pretty much he's the best sprinter. I've trained. I've never been a real prolific trainer, trainer of, you know, short course horses, so he'd be the best sprinter we've had and sort of felt that all pretty much from his first race start. So, yeah, he's just got to go on and, and develop a record now that's indicative of that, you know. It's quite a unique project, this one, with, with Lost and Running, when we look towards the year ahead of us, because 
it shows the gravity of the Everest. You've got to run him in the Canterbury Stakes. I think it's 1,300, then, then maybe the George Ryder 1,500. But the real big plan, the real game plan, is the Everest 1,200 in October. If if the Everest, just say, wasn't around, what do you think is this be- horse's best distance when he's, you know, right at his peak? Uh, honestly, I think he'd be a great straight course horse, you know? Mm. Like, he'd be probably horse that we'd look to run down the straight. Um... But, you know, the way the racing is in New South Wales and the prize money, it's quite feasible that he'll never get the opportunity to do that. Um, Carl Holt, who owns the majority of him, obviously is originally from England, and uh, I think he's he would love to take him to Ascot. And, um, so I think, uh, you know, after the Everest and still racing well, you know, this time next year we'll be sort of programming to possibly head overseas for a run. And, but um, I think the, with regard to his longevity, if we just keep him to his 12, 1400, I would say maybe 1500 of the rider, we'll just be able to keep him around a lot longer. He doesn't need to you know, get grounding with, in terms of his work. and So we'll just be more inclined to keep him at short course trips, you know. Just a quick update, John, on another one of your good horses, Minaj, uh, who I thought trolled, out, trolled really well um, recently. She's obviously headed um, to Melbourne. How's she going, and, and what can we expect to see her in in Melbourne? Well, she ran out of complaint. I think she's got a lovely weight to run well there. Um, she uh, had a great foundation, two nice trials. She's an unbeaten first-up record. Um, she's raced well and won at Caulfield previously. Karen's going to go down and ride her, and think, um, you know, she's got a lovely profile for a race of that nature. And just one last one, promise of success is a good mare. She resumed yesterday. She was well-backed, actually, at double figures in. You would have been happy with her run. You you did run into one who's flying at the moment, Snap Dancer. Yeah, I think um, when the scratching's at the gate, you know, the speed come out of the race. Mm. And just changed the complexion of the race, to be honest. Um, and, and, you know... Mac was the first to seize on that on the winner. He just banged straight to the front, no speed. And, but we're really proud of our man. When we come back in a fortnight, 1,400, Ramwick, if she can just draw a little out, um, she's not going to have to change a great deal to get herself back in the winner's store. Thanks for your time this morning, John. Best of boys. John O'Shea joining us, the trainer of Lost and Running. He's managing this horse absolutely brilliantly because he knows he's got a very, very good horse in his care and... Um, uh, he's he's one of the best in Australia, I think. I, I think a lot of people were a bit slow coming to the table, and I was probably one of them, but I think he is in the top four or five, those, you know, 1,200 to 1,400-metre horses in Australia, Ben. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he sort of, uh, even though he's five turning six this year, he sort of feels like a bit the bit of the new kid on the block, doesn't mm. he? I mean, a lot of those really, really good sprinters, uh, you know, that we saw for years and years, I mean, the Red Zells and, and that sort of ilk, uh, sort of all left the scene at a similar time. So, I mean, he, I guess he's no spring chicken turning six, but he's still got a fair bit of racing left in him. And uh, I thought his win yesterday was, was just arrogant. It was interesting to hear too, wasn't it, John, talking about um, potentially going to Royal Ascot next year. So that's that's the esteem that they hold him in. So I'd suggest he is right at the top of the tree, this horse. Love great strike rates. Eight from 13 is the strike rate. He's earned almost $3 million in prize money. I thought uh, Law of Indices and Superium ran well here. They were your, your run-on horses, but they probably weren't entitled to because 
it was a sprint home. They didn't go that hard early, so their runs their runs were good. Let's go to the light fingers, and this created a lot of interest during the week because it saw the return of Espiona, who created such a huge impression winning during the Flemington Spring Carnival. So much so, she was set at $1.55 to win this race first up. Here's how she fared. They turn for home now. It's four moves ahead. Zeta Rita, Arcade Zuzarella, and Espiona closing in. So Jamea the outsider, Fangirl. Good race coming up here. Jamea goes on with the job. Really lays it down now to Espiona and Zuzarella. Uh, lifting is Espiona. Jamea now Fangirl gets the final shot at them. Espiona just in front. Fangirl over the top and bang, good up. Fangirl knocked off Espiona. Jamea third. Great finish there to the light fingers. Followed by Heresy. Then Zuzarella. Zarella start Tade's late. Further back to Hinged Arcade at Chalet, Tillianum, Mokalua, Von Trapp, four moves ahead and Zetarita. This was the third leg of Hugh Bowman's riding treble yesterday and um, Chris Waller prepares Espiona, but he also prepares Fangirl. She was first up since the Carbine Club at Flemington and she was able to get a perfect run and uh, then get onto the back of Espiona and then gun her down late. Yeah, I think one thing we can say uh, with, with certainty after this race, which sounds a weird thing to say, but given the pre-race hype, I mean, Espiona is no winks. I mean, there were people comparing it to winks for heaven's sake. I mean, gee whiz. She's a, a very, very good filly going places, uh, and she had a tough run yesterday, probably should have won. Um, but, uh, wow, we sent out at $1.55. wasn't that short uh, in hindsight or, or even, I guess, before the race. So this, uh, you know, no doubt she's going places. Uh, she could be a group one horse. She may group, win group ones. But uh, resuming at that price in what was a competitive field, uh, you know, I think um, this is going to be a, a really interesting race to follow going forward. The surround stakes in a couple of weeks now shapes up as an absolute cracker. I mean, that's beyond his favourite. Uh, fangirls now three dollars fifty on the back of winning yesterday, and then you've got the likes of Argentia, who, who you referenced earlier, who won brilliantly uh, in Melbourne. And I tell you what was a sneaky good run as well in the light fingers was Startantes, the Queensland horse from the wide gate, had to go right, right back to last, ran on into six, may have peaked slightly late, ran into uh, a little bit of trouble as well. But I thought that was a, a terrific tune-up. Um, from uh, the, you know the Rob Peascott uh, filly for the surround stakes, and look, the surround stakes doesn't end there. I spoke to uh, Toby Edmonds at the track yesterday. There is some chance, or maybe unlikely, that Mimi Lagarde, that brilliant filly that Jerry Harvey owns, ran second in the three-year-old guineas, Magic Millions guineas. Uh, she will trial on the Gold Coast tomorrow, and depending on how she goes, there is some chance she could run in the surround. Currently, a twenty-one dollar chance, I think. They'd be more likely to keep um, her back just for maybe a, a little bit longer for a race like the Arrowfield Sprint, maybe in April. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of decent, um, a lot of decent fillies going around, and that's that surround stake shapes as a real cracker of a race, I reckon, David. Yeah, she she still holds this uh, boom because she's still the the short price favourite, Espiona. I thought, yeah, you know, I'm not being marking hard. I'm just saying that I see it. I thought she had every chance. She was three wide with cover. But they do go down a straight side. There's only virtually one turn at the 1,200. And Fangirl ran her down fairly and squarely. It's amazing, isn't it? When a horse gets beaten, um, we often say, would lose no admirers. I think in this case, Espiona will lose some admirers because the hype had been so high, hugely high, that some will say, and I think probably fairly and squarely, that she's maybe not as good as they thought she might have been. But, look, time will tell. One swallow doesn't make a summer. 
and we'll see her in two weeks' time. Let's have a listen to one more race, and we just touched on it with John, John O'Shea, Snap Dancer, winning the Triscay, bounce to the lead, never headed. Snap Dancer coming off the fence, two lengths clear from Electric Girl. It's me. Promise of success back on the inside. Then came Bellucci, Babe, and Mirror Vision. But a good leader here, Snap Dancer inside the 200 metres. Snap Dancer two in front of Promise of Success. It's me and Electric Girl all fighting out the miners. But away goes Snap Dancer. A big win in the Trisco. Promise of Success, best of the rest, second. Electric Girl third. Uh, fourth between It's Me, Bellucci, Babe, Mirror Vision late. Further back, Patino, Ruby. Then came more profit. It's followed by Luna Cornstala for Toos and Vitess was last in. She's going well at the moment, Snap Dancer, and when those late scratchings did happen, as John O'Shea outlined, the pace came out of the race. So uh, J Mac took advantage of it on Snap Dancer, controlled and sprinted home too well. I can't offer you, uh, you won't take my, my offer up about the road trip for two shares left. What about a share in an impending sleight of hand cold? Any interest there? No? Oh, that sounds, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. Stradbroke you might, winner? You, you, Stradbroke yeah, winner. Yeah, you, you're getting me. I think I, backed, I might have backed in pending that year too. Darren Beedman, I think, was standing in yeah. at Dolphin for, uh, for a small while. So yeah, 2017. You, 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 you're, you're piquing my interest, put it that way, David. I can't provide a name yet, but it'll jump out soon, so I'll keep you up to date. Don't, uh, don't hang the <laughs> phone sure up. You will. Don't hang the phone I'm up. Sure you're, you hard, you're hard to please. Take it, we'll take a short break, come back, and then we'll wrap it up and have a look back at Dooman yesterday. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Dooman, yesterday, we started on a good four. We had a heavy shower, and that put the track down to a soft five. Let's go to race seven, Enterprise Pom. First run for Matt Hoisted and Steve O'Day. Was well back to win here, 3.30. Down the side, 600 metres left to run. Half the journey completed. 35.83, the first split at Enterprise Palmer. Standing in front, Legal Spring went to second. Better than Epic third, Star Gamble fourth. He's trying to improve, self-indulgent. She's had a horror trip right off the track. And wider was Andy. Straightening for home, 3.50 left to run. Enterprise Palm now sprinting hard and fast from better than Epic Legal Spring. Star Gamble's under the whip. Self-indulgent still coming. Andy and General Wolf down the outside. Enterprise Palm the leader. 100 metres left to go. They're lining up for the miners, but Enterprise Pom going strongly, going well, going like a winner. Enterprise Pom first. General Wolf at big odds in a photo with better than epic and self-indulgent for second, third and fourth. Then Logo Mania, Legal Esprit Andy. Star Gamble didn't come on, then Campai and Yangtze last over the line in 111.47. Matt Hoisted joins us now on Past the Post. Matt, Never easy when you take over a horse uh, from, from another stable, particularly one that's done well for the stable. Always a little bit anxious, but a good result there yesterday. You would have been delighted with that win. Yeah, most definitely. Look, as you said, there's always a always a little bit of extra pressure there. As you said, she's always um, you know been a, a really nice filly for you know Mick Lakey. Obviously, did a fantastic job with her, and obviously Gerald when she ran fourth in the Furious. And um, yeah, look, it's always that that as you said, a little bit anxious going into yesterday. But um, yeah, look, she was fantastic. Obviously, she's a filly that hasn't been the easiest. Um, you know, she's taken us a little while to sort of work her out, but um, you know, that's sort of her go. She's obviously got a high cruising speed and can, you know, really sort of quicken off that. So there's, um, you know, hopefully better races in store for her. And Boris Thornton, uh, Matt, getting down to 54 and a half kilos um, to ride here was probably a little bit of a, a little bit of a tip, I suppose, for punters. Uh, he's riding well, isn't he? Um, there's a few Thorntons obviously up here, but. But Boris may be the lesser known of them um, for Queensland listeners, but going good. 
Yeah, look, he's, he's probably no doubt in, in probably career best form, really. He's riding with a hell of a lot of confidence at the moment and a, sort of got a bit of a new lease on life since, um, you know, returning from injury. And, um, yeah, look, it's, you know, really done a lot of work for the for the stable. So, um, you know, it's always extra special when we can give him these opportunities and, and he's definitely taking them with both hands at the moment. I often say that February and March are the best months for owners or trainers uh, or jockeys to win races in southeast Queensland. Uh, with, with this uh, filly, though, it's sort of come at a semi-awkward time. You, you've brought her back. She's obviously better than, than the normal Saturday standard. So what's the plan with her? Yeah, look, obviously the cutest jewel is um, is sort of what's going to be her, her next target. Look, we'll just uh, have a little bit of a keep an eye over over the next week there's a there's a race for her in three weeks time which will lead two weeks into the duel or, or she could potentially go straight into that now and possibly just have a trial we'll just um let her tell us how she pulls up but as you said it's obviously a bit of an awkward awkward time um for her she's a filly that you know hopefully can be playing a bit of a part come sort of winter carnival but we just you know this was a, a race for obviously the duel worth worth good money being worth five hundred thousand, and um you know wanted this time of year can sort of get her confidence up a little bit as well and, and while we can chase that good prize money race um you know she can go there and then have a little little freshen sort of heading into into winter carnival and matt you guys i, I did a, a actually penned a, a bit of a feature story for uh news limited websites and, and also papers the other day with you just on your on your amazing strike rate i mean you and steve o'day are basically the hottest trainers in australia in terms of strike rate i think at the, i mean this has obviously changed slightly from uh, Friday, because you had a few runners uh, in various places yesterday, but I think it was 31.7% this season you're striking at metropolitan level and over 40%, um, you know, with, with your runners in 2022. That is absolutely extraordinary stuff. Is there is there a couple of things you can put it down to? No, not not really. Obviously, um, you know, yeah, each sort of stable has little runs. Obviously, this is a, a phenomenal run that, that we're on at the moment. But um, I think it just all sort of comes down to, you know, we've we've sort of upped our numbers a little bit. We've we've increased. So so obviously having the the more stock there and just the quality of stocks really sort of upped, especially over the last two seasons. Um, look, it's you know we've got a got a great team of staff behind us and and obviously a really good clientele base behind us that are giving us the opportunity with these better. Uh, better horses, so um, you know it's it's lucky that we can just sort of finding the right races with them, and they're all they're all sort of you know running well at the moment, which is all we can ask of. And another addition to the stable, not on the equine side of things, but in the human side of things, Jaden Lloyd's joining the team. Yeah, so he, he joins joins the stable tomorrow, which was yeah, it looked really exciting. Obviously, Jaden's a, a fantastic rider, and um, you know doing great things already, and. Yeah, it's the right time of his career to sort of head to head to Brisbane now, and, and we'll obviously be giving him quite a lot of support, and hopefully just be able to, you know, do a bit more work for other other trainers here in Brisbane, and can hopefully open a few more doors there as well. He's um, you know, obviously going fantastic at the moment, and hopefully that that run can continue. What did you make of Kingston's here in the, the last race, Matt? Obviously, I think strung together three, might have been three in a row. This campaign was. Uh, sent out the second favourite, I think about the three dollar mark. Looked looked the winner there for a second and just got powered over by a ruffy um, in the last race of the day. Yeah, I thought he was still fantastic. Obviously, we we knew it was from from there. We sort of thought that we possibly might maybe able to hold a sort of one out one back line, but he began so well and obviously when Tremonto didn't didn't begin as well as we sort of expected. Um, you know, Ronnie sort of had to make the make use and get across from that gate, which obviously put us on the rail, which obviously was a, a bit of a no go zone there yesterday and 
you know, although Ronnie was sort of looking to to try and try and find his way out, um, you know, there was nothing nothing sort of going for him there. So he's had to go back on the inside, and obviously it was inferior ground there. Um, you know, and obviously the winners come from out wide. He still sort of shot clear, and still Ronnie sort of thought he, he sort of had a little bit of a a little bit wanted to float once he sort of hit the front there. Um, you know, obviously that horse was was out out of quite a fair way away from him. He kind of didn't really spot it, but um, thought he's still gone, still gone fantastic. And obviously, just probably if he, he was able to find the better ground, may have been the the difference. But um, you know, even if not, he, he still ran well to to finish second. Matt, all we can say is continued good success. The team's flying. Yes, thank you. Matt Hoisted joining us this morning. The trainer uh, with Steve Adove Enterprise POM, a very good winner of race seven. Let's have a listen to one more replay before we wrap it up. The open handicap and Profit was a well-backed favourite. That first 1,000 metres was slow. 65 and 45. They've had a picnic up in front as Profit tries to close on the leaders, but Ziggerly led. Sea Raider, Hail Manhattan Cloak. Profit four and five wide. Then Keedar at the head of the others was Sir Barnabas. In the home straight, though, Ziggerlein, Sea Raider, Hail Manhattan Cloak. Profit down the outside, presently making heavy weather of it. Then came Sir Barnabas. Out wide, Profit. He's now racing up strongly. He's going to the lead, Profit. The favourite is moving clear, and yet. Yes, Profit. It's a Profit, all right. Profit home beats Sir Barnabas or Sea Raider. Then came Hale Manhattan, Trevelyan, Happy Go Plucky, Kedar. Kedar was next. And then came Ziggerlead, Victory 8. And the last three, Red Chase, Cloak and Humboldt Current in 140 and 32. Kyle Wilson-Taylor riding double. Chris Anderson, the trainer. And Profit's going really well this campaign, Ben. Yeah, and I hear a certain race caller with the uh, last name... Fowler had a bit of a fill up here and good luck to you because as much as I love Chris Anderson, as much as I love Profit, I couldn't have backed Profit to win two races in a row at, uh, at the short odds. Well, it wasn't short odds. I think, you know, you might have stacked up something a bit nicer, but started, I think, at $3.10. Um, but nice ride again. It's a few nervous moments. Got trapped behind a slow one and, and just for a moment appeared to be going up and down in the one place, but finished really well. So nice little uh, pick-me-up for Chris Anderson there with Profit, of course, sporting uh, those famous colours worn by uh, Saintly and, and So You Think. Good to talk to you, Ben. Chat tomorrow on Press Room. Thanks, David. Bye. Ben Dorries joining us this morning here on Past the Post. I thought I'd get him off the air because I'm going to put him into a, another horse that he doesn't even know about. He can't say no now. But just before we go in all seriousness, Michael Costa has joined the Archer Park team. He bought a, a Schwarzia Tango Express collar, the Magic Minion sale. Have a look at it on the website. Uh, there's still a few shares left there. Thanks for your company this morning. Hope you enjoyed the show. And look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow morning. A lot of issues to discuss tomorrow, but that's uh, that's 24 hours away. Have a good day. Bye-bye.